Amen. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Wow, I could have just stayed there in prayer all, all morning. Uh, thought came to me during worship. I just want to kind of take a minute to, to share in regards to, you know, we just celebrated communion. And I, I thought that there's a, an incredible power in communion in that it's in the blood of Christ in the sense that it's, it's the great equalizer. That's the phrase that came to me. as the great equalizer, the blood of Christ. Because no matter how great you are according to other people's opinions or according to your opinion of yourself, or how feeble you may be according to other people's opinions or your own opinion of yourself, whether it be spiritual or physical or emotional, it doesn't matter. Wherever you are on the scale, all right, does not matter. Before God, we're all fallen. We're all sinners. And there's only one way that we can enter into heaven, one way that we can enter into relationship with God. There's only one thing that can truly make us clean and pure and right, and that's the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, you know, Jesus Christ is the door. Everyone who goes to the Father must come through Him. All right? And so there's that aspect that Christ's blood, His sacrifice on the cross, is the equalizer in that it makes us all equal before God. And if you're proud, that humbles you. But if you're, if you're downcast, it lifts you up. Right? And that's the promise and the, and, and the amazing blessing that we have when we come to the, when we come to God through faith in the blood of Jesus Christ, that it's not up to who we are, not up to, it's not dependent on our own attributes or abilities, but completely dependent upon the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. All we have to do is believe it. Do you believe it? Yeah. And that gains us access. It gains us access. Well, we want to start out January by kind of looking at our, some of the, the, the values that we hold core or central to who we are. And every organization, really, regardless of whether it's a business or a charity, <clears throat> any type of institution or organization will have uh, values. And uh, uh, basically what it is, it's, it, these are core reasons for its existence. They're, normally they're ideas or activities that, that form an organization or an institution's or a group's purpose for being. And it's something unique, something that justifies its existence. Uh, it's a message or a purpose that draws people that want it so that they want to be involved, you know? <laughs> Hopefully, if it's a good one. <laughs> it catches people's attention and uh, they want to be involved. <clears throat> and, you know, if a business, it would be a product or a service uh, um, that they have that would uh, uh, make uh, and produce wealth. Think of a company like General Motors. Well, they don't really produce much wealth, so that's <laughs> they they used to employ a lot of people. <laughs> let's, let's 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 make it more um, 
generic and a manufacturer of a product would uh, produce something and, and sell it. And so, you know, their purpose is to produce that product or, or a, a retail store, Walmart, Myers, what, be, what have you. Their purpose is to sell things and each, each retailer has its unique, like we're the cheapest or we're the best or whatever. And, and, and of course, businesses exist to make uh, a profit for their shareholders. And then you have organizations like the Red Cross or United Way <clears throat> that are just uh, philanthropic, philanthropic, philanthropic. You know, they just do good things. They help people and they raise a whole bunch of money to, to give away stuff and help people. <clears throat> and that's a, a, a very good thing. That's their purpose. And they succeed. Uh, an organization or a group of people will succeed if, if you understand what your purpose is and, you, and you're able to go for it uh, uh, wholeheartedly. And it's the same for the church. And often churches lose their understanding of why they exist. Pardon me. <clears throat> and they just fall into routine or ceremony and, and you know, you come to church because you're supposed to. And, and, and when that happens, you fall into, uh, you lose, you lose the power, you know, of your identity and why you're really, you know, what the whole purpose of, uh, of the whole point is. Um, <clears throat> I keep hearing this and, and I'm just going to share it. <clears throat> Started hearing it, you know, kind of being aware of this idea, and maybe it's from God, but uh, you're part of this church. If you're here this morning, uh, maybe you're just a guest, you're, you're just checking us out or friend of a friend or whatever, but if you're here and you're part of this church, <clears throat> I, I call you to be as committed to this work as I am. You know? I mean, that's how committed you need to be. Uh, you know, it's, in order for us to succeed as an organization, to be committed to the point where it's not a maybe. You know, if you've, if you've got to the place where you know that this is where God has planted you, that you can embrace, uh, and maybe you don't know us well enough yet, and you can take time as long as you'd like to, to learn what the values are. Certainly, if you're a Christian, you need to be committed to the church as 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 wholeheartedly as the person you may have in your life that's the most committed does that make sense all right in order to fully benefit from the from from the what a church offers or what an organization offers you have to be fully invested into it i don't own any stocks in a company i don't own any stocks in any company <laughs> so i don't benefit you know when the stock market goes up it doesn't really benefit me at all. But when it goes down, I don't lose anything. I tell people I didn't lose a dime in the stock market crash. <laughs> you know, which may be a good thing and maybe a bad thing, but because I wasn't invested in it. But you know what I am invested in? You guys. This church. And so as you grow and become stronger and healthier, I get stronger and healthier. There's a return. And so it's vital that we know our, what our calling is, <clears throat> what our purpose is, what our values are. Uh, both as as the church in general, but also as our uh, a unique identity. Each church, there's 250 churches in Kalamazoo, and each one of them has a, has, a, has a unique history, a unique commission or calling. And so they have different values, different things that they emphasize, even though we all preach the same uh, gospel and are based on, on Scripture. You know, in the past, God would pour out revival, and <clears throat> He's still pouring out revival. In fact... Revival never stops, all right? It just moves. <clears throat> really. 
I've been, I've been at this for a while. <laughs> and I've seen it. And, and people then get stops just because it doesn't look the same in one place like it looked 10 years ago. But then somewhere else it pops up. Because God never stops. And we don't even know because we're, we're, we're as, as Americans, we tend to just focus on our, what's happening in the English-speaking world. That some of the greatest revivals that happen in, uh, in Africa and in Asia where millions and millions and millions of people are being uh, touched by the Holy Spirit and saved. And we don't even think God's doing anything and God's doing things that would boggle our mind. That the Western world, English-speaking world, has never even seen. And so revival never stops. It just kind of moves. And in the past, God would restore some uh, truth or value that had been lost or forgotten. And uh, uh, normally what would happen would be uh, that they would grow into a denomination. How many know what a denomination is? It's like you have a a $5 denomination, $10 denomination, $20 denomination. You guys are not getting any of my jokes this morning, okay? (laughs) Would you lighten up a little bit? Come on. (laughs) My timing up. Luther received a revelation of salvation by grace and the authority of Scripture. And from that, all the reformers came and established many, many different denominations and uh, 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 um, uh, streams of of churches. that came out of that Reformation that we call it. uh, And that was a revival. Now we call it Reformation. But back then it was a revival. People getting blasted by God and learning new things that people hadn't heard of, but it was all in Scripture. And then after that, the Baptists, uh, the whole Baptist, we think of Baptists as this one particular uh, denomination. There's actually over 300 Baptist denominations in America alone. But uh, it was all based on a revelation that happened uh, uh, years ago uh, about the importance of water baptism along with some other vital truths that God restored. And a whole stream of churches flow from the principles or the values that came out of that uh, revival. In the early 1900s, there was a powerful outpouring of revival with the Holy Spirit falling uh, or dropping or being released <clears throat> among people. Really, it spread all over the world. It's still spreading. It's what we call a Pentecostal revival and uh, uh, or speaking in tongues and other charismatic gifts. And the, the person and the purpose of the Holy Spirit was revealed in a new way. And it's still transforming um, uh, uh, the church as a whole uh, as we speak. <clears throat> I believe that what happened at the end of this last century and what's happening now is a revival uh, equal to or in like manner. It's just, a, it's just a present move of God where God is restoring truths about His character and His kingdom that apply in our lives. And if we embrace the present day truths, so I don't have anything against churches that are based on re- revivals that happened uh, 100 or 500 years ago. I honor those traditions. I respect them. I had a good friend, uh, a couple of pastors actually, I pray with regularly, but this guy, he moved out to California about five or six years ago, but he was a, had a doctorate degree in, in theology, and he knew everything about church history, everything, every detail, up until his denomination was formed. I'm serious. And then there was like, he didn't know anything else that had happened. He was like one of the smartest men I've ever, ever ever knew and it was weird it was like this he knew everything and then i'd start talking about stuff that happened after his denomination 
Uh, and he was like, he had no concept because his, his seminary didn't cover that. <laughs> you know, I want everything that they have. Right? Do we want all that stuff? We don't reject any of that. Alright? We don't move the ancient landmarks. But we realize that God's still moving in our day. And I just want to, you know, if, if you want a more thorough explanation of how it all ties together, this book is available out in the foyer. Um, it's only 15 bucks, and it was written by uh, a friend of mine and a spiritual father. His name is Fred Wright. We're not related in the natural. Um, <clears throat> Fred had a stroke. He's in the hospital right now. And uh, he's doing okay. He's walking around. Can we pray for him right now? Father, we just pray for Fred, and we pray healing on his body. We pray complete restoration of strength, uh, God, that you'd bless him and restore his health. In Jesus' name, amen. But this book is one of the best books on church history uh, from, the, from the lens of revival. All right, we want to begin by uh, looking at this FIRE acronym, which stands for the Father Heart Message of God. Intimacy, uh, I stands for intimacy with God and one another. R stands for the restoration of emotional, spiritual, and physical wholeness. And the E stands for everything else. <laughs> That's the joke. Um, <laughs> I'm going to laugh at my jokes if you guys are. <laughs> Extending the kingdom through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And this is really not a summary of what God did uh, this is this is what God's doing. This is this is, and you know, every church kind of represents it a little differently. This happens to be the same acronym that our whole stream of churches. We have churches all over the world that identify themselves with with uh, with our network, <coughs> and uh, we all kind of uh, zero. I was in the meeting. I was in the meeting. There was about twenty of us with uh, with the leaders of uh, our association when that when that acronym. Was put together. I was sitting next to his guy, Jim Curtis uh, from Tulsa, and he wrote it down. He said, "Hey, Cameron, they're going to love this," because he figured out the fire. <laughs> he nudged me. He says, "They're going to love this." And then he said, "I think this is what God's. This is how we can present it." I'm serious. <laughs> I'll never forget it. So, <laughs> and since then they've been just running with it. So the Father Heart <clears throat> uh, uh, is is part of that revelation, and we're going to going to turn to Luke two forty one. Let's get some Bible in here. Two forty-one through fifty-two. <clears throat> it says, uh, "His parents, Jesus' parents, went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of Passover. And when he was, when Jesus was twelve years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered. Everybody say he lingered." You ever have a 12-year-old boys linger? <clears throat> Lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph, his mother, did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now it was that after three days, <clears throat> they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. <laughs> and all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. 
And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why do you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he had spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. You know, uh, if you're a parent, most parents can remember, especially your first child, the first words the kids spoke. Right? How many parents remember the first words? What was the first word? Dada. Great. Was it Aaron's first word? Dada. Anybody else? Somebody over here? Raise their hand. What? Mama. Somebody else? Over here? Ball? (laughs) What? French fry. (laughs) That's that's hilarious. (laughs) Tori's, Tori's was, our dog's back then, his name was Tasha. So, uh, Tasha. And, uh, and, and Williams was my favorite. Because we were every time we'd get on the highway, he'd just start saying, Ig uck! Ig uck! And like he just did it for like like weeks and weeks. He'd just say it really loud and Ig uck! And finally we're like, We I think he's trying to say something. <laughs> and then we correlated it every time he'd say it that we there'd be a semi. And so it's big truck. <laughs> Ig uck! Ig uck! <laughs> We still tease him about it. <clears throat> so here we have recorded in Scripture, Jesus is, these are the first words that Jesus said. Alright? Recorded in Scripture. Of course, he's 12 years old. He probably had spoken quite a bit since then. <laughs> we don't know the first word he spoke as an infant, but we know the first word that God decided to record in Scripture is, why did, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Why did you? What? What? What were you looking for? Why, why were you even looking for me, mom and dad? And the, the the Greek word there is actually an expression of the boy's amazement that his parents wouldn't know that there could be only one possible place for him to be. He was like, uh, like, well, where did you think I was? Playing soccer, you know. <laughs> <clears throat> um, he couldn't understand why they were so upset, and we can see in Mary's you know expression, you know, what were you? Don't don't you see what you did to us? You made us worry. He was like, well, you should have known. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, I think there's a there's a, an amazement, there's a, an amazing picture here, uh, and a prophetic power uh, to these very first words that are recorded. Uh, Jesus was in the flow, if you will, of the Holy Spirit having spent three days in the temple. This was His first visit to the temple. Children were not allowed into the temple until their twelfth birthday. And so this is the first time He's in the temple. And this is He was God in the flesh. And He knew His identity. And here He was in the building in this beautiful giant place built for the worship of His Father. 
And so he was there amongst all the, the, the best scholars in the world about, uh, of uh, God's Word. And as soon as he had that opportunity, he just gave himself to talk with them. And he was in deep discussion of biblical things. And, and in the middle of that, his parents come in like chiding him, what, what are you doing here? And, and, and he was in amazement. He, Jesus says these same words um, <clears throat> when talking about John the Baptist. He said, why, what, what did you go out to the desert to see? What were you looking for? What were you looking for? What, what's, when it, the, the question there uh, speaks of the motivation. When Jesus was saying it to uh, the crowd about John the Baptist, he, he was saying, what was your motivation to go out and hear this preacher called John the Baptist? And Jesus said it to his parents, what, what are you looking for? What's the motivation? Why did you seek me? What did you expect? And And... Mary and Joseph was expecting their little boy, but that boy was becoming a man and entering into his identity as the Son of God. Like Mary and Joseph, many people come to Jesus or look for Jesus or encounter Jesus with their own expectations. Alright? Many people look for Jesus only on a human level. They're looking for a a human need that they want met through the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, maybe they just need a little uh, more financial security or they just they feel depressed and they're hoping somebody will make them happy or they, they feel they need something just on a human. Lots of people look to Jesus as a good teacher. Maybe even a holy person. In fact, I've known people that practice uh, just about every uh, religious tradition, uh, uh, Hindus, Buddhists, uh, uh, Muslims, <clears throat> you know, I've, I've, I've talked to them, I've gotten to know their, their, their worldviews, and all of them respect Jesus as a good teacher, as a holy person. Nobody, you know, nobody really questions that. But Jesus challenged their expectations and takes them to a whole new level. Did you not know that I should be about my Father's business? And the word business that we find in the English translation is not really in the Greek. It's a, a word that... It's an attempt at the translators to communicate this phrase in the Greek in a way that we might understand it. Uh, it really is... Uh, one translation puts it, Did you not know that I must be at or in my Father's house? Didn't you know that I should be at my Father's? But literally, it just says that I must be in my Father or about my Father. Didn't you realize that I need to be in my Father? That I'm all about my Father? Here's Mary and Joseph, his natural mother, and Joseph, his father, and he looks up at toy row wife and says, didn't you understand that I need to be in and about my Father? It refers, this word is, uh, it denotes a fixed position. Alright? That's where I am. That's his fixed position. Alright? The word about. This is, this, that's where he is. That's where he always is. So where he always was, and he's not going anywhere else, is about his father or in his father. It just happened that he found the place And the temple in Jerusalem at that day was the place where the worship of Yahweh, the worship of Jehovah, I mean, that's, that's, that was its reason for being. And it also denotes a relationship of rest. 
All right, this is really good, isn't it? It's a relationship. I think it is. Do you think it's good? <laughs> Y'all needed another cup of coffee this morning. I'm serious. <laughs> Everybody say a relationship of rest. You ever been around somebody that you always feel kind of uptight when you're around them? <laughs> Got a few amens there. <laughs> you know, you're around someone and for something about them, they just make you a little, you know, you're on edge. You know, but then you're with other people and you just feel relaxed. You just feel comfortable. You, you feel like you can be yourself. All right? And it's that way with places. A lot of times people visit a church and, they're, they're, you know, you're not going to feel comfortable in church the first time because everything's new and it's different and you don't a bunch of people you don't know. And I tell people, you know, give it a few weeks, a few months uh, and, and get to know a church. You know, vi- don't visit a church once. Go several times. Same thing with a business. You know, you go into a restaurant the first time, it's like everything's new, but then it becomes your favorite place and you just go in, you know what to order. Well, this is the idea of uh, the word that Jesus chose. He says, this is my place. This is where I rest. It refers to a place where one belongs or one fits. The, the idea of belonging or knowing one's position. And that in that, there's a sense of rest. All right? Jesus knew that He was where He belonged. He knew that this is where He fit in. He experienced it. Listen to this. Jesus experienced in His Father's presence, talking about going deep into the presence of the Father, experiencing the place of worship where His Father is worshipped, talking about the things of the Father. He felt so comfortable there, so at rest there, that He forgot about His natural family and that He was there on vacation. Now, my, my kids could probably... This could, this could happen with my kids at Disney World. <laughs> We'd be halfway home. They're still at Mickey's place. <laughs> All right? <laughs> but that's how Jesus felt in His Father's house. All right? And that's, that's what J- Jesus is calling us to be a part of. Because we're supposed to be like Jesus. All right? Uh, uh, he, he, he's so comfortable in his relationship with the Father that it, it became more important or more significant than his other responsibilities and his other relationships. And, uh, and, he, and, his, and his parents had to come and kind of, wait a minute, you're still with us. And he was like, okay, I'm going to be subject. I'm going I'm to be obedient to my natural parents because that's, that's proper. You know, until it was time for him to step into his his full uh, place uh, in ministry when he became an adult, and so the idea of the Father Heart of God, we're going to continue to talk about this more next week, <clears throat> is that it's 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 the place of rest and identity in relationship with the Father that was depicted by Jesus in this verse, but it's what you're called to live in. Uh, you're called to, to increase in that. Listen, we're going to jump down, reread verse uh, 52. It says, Jesus, at the end of this that story I read, uh, uh, Luke 2, 52, it says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. All right? <clears throat> Do you think that if, if Jesus had to increase in stature and in favor uh, with God and men, do you think maybe we need to? All right, what we want to do right now, I just want to close in prayer. I'd like you to 
uh, open up your hands, just receive. And Father, we just pray, Lord, that this revelation of the importance of uh, resting in relationship with the Father that Jesus had as a 12-year-old boy, Lord, I just pray an impartation over today and next week to each and every one of us that we would also grow and increase. Uh, In fact, I speak a word of blessing over each and every person in this room that each of you would increase. Uh, I speak to your spirits uh, and to your spirit person, that new person within you, that you would increase in stature uh, and that you would increase in favor with God and with men because you're in right relationship with the Father through faith in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Seth has some announcements. Oh, Adam has some announcements. All right, we want to welcome all of our guests to New Day this morning. We're happy that you chose to join us. Uh, We have a gift for you at our connection counter in the back if you'd like to go there after service. And please do fill out the connection card that's in the bulletin, if you can tear that out. And really, everyone should fill that out because it's a great opportunity to write down any prayer requests that you have. And we have a team of uh, intercessors that will pray for those requests this week. So I encourage you to do that. All right, we have several announcements. Uh, We concluded the year of giving. Was that fun? Everybody enjoy that? That was awesome. For those of you that missed last week, such as myself, uh, just to let you guys know what happened, in the first service, uh, the Yoders received $500. And in the second service, the Morrises received $500. And it was much fun. Uh, there's a great video kind of recapping the year of giving. Uh, it's online. It's on our website. Yeah. You can get there on our website. It's on YouTube. It's on Facebook. Uh, so check it out. It's it's fun. It kind of shows everything that happened all year long with the uh, year of giving. All right. We have uh, coming up at the Art Hop this Friday, we have a bunch of people from our church represented there at the Parks Trade Building, um, different artists. We have Katie Duke, Jill McKay, Sarah Gerber, Carrie Hayes, Sue Brower, William, William Hayes, along with Doug Sager and Randy Bonzo, so some old connections there. Leonard Duke will be doing music. Uh, that is this Friday. I encourage you to check it out at Parks Trade. Uh, I believe this is posted out on the bulletin board if you want more information about that. Okay, well, there's snow on the ground. It's very cold. It's a good time to start planning our camping trip for this summer. Uh, that is going to be August 13th through 15th. That's one of the most popular things that uh, we do here. It's always a lot of fun. Uh, we sign up really early. Actually, that starts next week, the sign-ups. Yes, next week. So mark your calendars. That's August 13th through 15th. Uh, it's going to be great and warm. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully warmer than last year, yes. <laughs> All right, at this time we're going to take our offer- the offering. So if the ushers want to come down, and please join with me in prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to give to you and to sow into your kingdom, to sow into this church, into what you're doing in this city and what you're doing in this church, Lord. We pray that uh, every dollar given would expand your kingdom and uh, that we could just be be part of the, the blessing that comes as we sow into this. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, we have a testimony at this time. Heather Hayes, come on down. Let's give her a hand. Thank you. All right, I actually have a testimony to go along with what Cameron was talking about this morning. Um, when I was growing up, my parents were divorced, um, 
and my father, as a result, was not really involved in my life. Um, so as I was growing up, I realized um, I really didn't need a father in my life. It wasn't something that I needed. Um, later on, I went to the School of Ministry in Toronto, and um, one of their core messages was about the Father Heart of God and um, how he wants to be involved in our lives as a father. And at first, it really wasn't sinking in for me. It was just kind of like, yeah, this is a great message. But um, one day, God said very clearly to me, um, no, Heather, you need a father in your life. So um, it was something that was very personal for me. And as he said that, something was really removed from um, my life, and it kind of, my relationship with God went from being just having the knowledge of who God was to having a really intimate relationship with the Father. Um, and so it was, it was a relationship that became very freeing and very good in my life. Um, later on, um, whenever I would go through a hard time, one time specifically, um, God really came in and helped me out. He was like, in a very personal way, he said, Heather, I want you to look up the meaning for your middle name. And my middle name is um, Mackenzie. And the meaning that I had looked up was daughter of the wise and fair one. And I was like, as I'm reading this meaning in front of me, I'm like, wow, yeah, you are wise and fair. And I just got at the same time, I just feel him saying, yeah, I am wise and fair. And um, it was really a good thing because after I'd heard that message, so much time had gone by, but he was still involved with my life as a father, and it was it was like a gift right at the right time that he had been saving for me. Um, so, yeah, God is very, very personal, and he has a similar message for each one of you guys. Well, I've known Heather for quite a few years, and I've just seen how it's transformed her life. And can we just pray for Heather? And Father, we just thank you, God, that you've opened up uh, this new understanding with the Father, your relationship with the Father means, and how it has changed her heart. And Lord, we pray that you do the same for each and every one of us. And Heather, I just ask you to pray a prayer over everyone. Just open up your hearts and receive a prayer. Father God, I just ask that your Holy Spirit come and just minister to the hearts um, for anyone that is just needing that area of the Father's heart love to just be filled up. Lord, I ask that you come and just fill the cup. Lord, I ask that you come and just give them a personal um, story to tell, a testimony to give to others, Lord, that you are involved in their life, Lord, and that you do care for them. Yeah, Lord, we receive this in faith because we have the privilege of being called your sons and your daughters through the blood of Christ who died on the cross. We can now cry out, Abba, Father, Papa, Father, you've not given us an orphan spirit. You've not given us a spirit of bondage, but you've given us a spirit of adoption through which we cry out, Daddy God, Abba, Father. And we thank you for this and we receive it Everyone who believes it, say, I receive it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, thanks, Heather. Give her a hand. How many know that last year was the year of giving? <laughs> but now it's just 
We're just a church that loves to give. And we have a gift this morning for someone. <clears throat> I really love how, how much thought was put into how this gift was wrapped. I must admit, I don't, 